0: Building a Daring Church. assembly be known as bold thank you don't feel free to participate this is interactive folks would you like first assembly to be known as fearless how about brave unafraid heroic yes that's daring that's what daring is how many believe god has done great and mighty things in this ministry of First Assembly. Wow. Absolutely. How many people believe that God has performed miracles in the life of this church? And I'm not talking about just oh, the as a miracle, I'm talking about literal miracles. Yes. Because He has. God is moving. God is moving, and if you don't feel that, man, you need to get plugged in. He is moving. He is moving in miracles, yes. He is moving in in, uh, gifts of, of prophecy that are coming forth in the Word. There are words of knowledge that are being imparted into people in this house. God is moving in First Assembly. And let me tell you what I think we want to be many things, but we want to be a place where the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are active and increasing. Now, I believe we are in a house where they're active. I want to be in a house and in a fellowship where they're not only active, but they're increasing. Increase. Now, it has to be in order. I want to put that in just so people know that is scriptural, I'm not talk about that today. There is an order that's scripturally defined, but yet that doesn't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit working and moving and being active and in power, things being in order. You can have both. There should never be a time in this fellowship, or in our lives for that matter, should never be a time in this fellowship when no matter what God has done and what things have happened and how powerful the Spirit of God is moving, that we don't find ourselves longing for more. You hear that? There should never be a time. You know why? Because he's got more to give. He's got more to give. That's a daring church. One that sees the Spirit of God moving, the Holy Spirit active and in increasing But yet they long for more. That's what a daring church is. So look, where we have been, we are a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-moving in power church. Amen? That's what we are. Today, though, in spite of all of those things, the word of uh, prophecy, the word of knowledge, the the gifts that have been active, the miracles that have occurred, all of these things and and the move of God being so real and so powerful, All of that, I'm here to declare to you today that the best days for First Assembly, the best days for this church fellowship are ahead of us, not behind us. That is a declaration, and you can take it any way you want it, but that is fact. I believe that God has put that in my heart, and it's not just mine. He's put it in the hearts of many people in here who have spoken that to me, and if you're one of those people, say amen. Thank you. God has something supernatural in store. Supernatural. That means what we see in the natural, it's super <laughs> beyond that. Supernatural he has in store. How many people in this place, we talked about miracles, how many people want a miracle in their life? Amen. I do. I think everyone wants a miracle in their life. Now, miracles are not always the more dramatic ones, and these are wonderful. Where somebody may be, you know, healed by the power of God in a very serious illness, and those are those are miracles. But miracles are, are, are occurring in the lives of people in things that may not be, for lack of a better word, that dramatic. Now, I'm not talking about importance, level of importance, but there are miracles that are occurring in the lives of people all the time. And if you want a miracle, let me tell you, I think everybody would say, yeah, I need a, I need a miracle. I don't think many of us, and i put myself in that category many times, maybe not all the time, but I I don't want to be in a place, and maybe you don't want to be in a place where I need a miracle because that can put us in an uncomfortable place. You know what I mean? If you need something that's a miracle, that means you need something where you're in a place that you may not be so comfortable. Why is that? A miracle means that I can't do this by myself. And that's not in our natural mind. That's not the way we're wired. We're wired to figure it out and do it ourselves. See, when you're needing a miracle, you need to know, or you're saying that I have no other options. There's no one else on earth that can do this. I can't do it. Others can't do it. I can only rely on one person. Jesus. I need God to supernaturally invade my personal space and answer my need. When you're at that place, though, that maybe sometimes can be uncomfortable because you're totally reliant on something that you can't control. I believe God, how about invading this, but I believe that God is going to supernaturally invade the space of this church. I believe he's going to supernaturally come into a place where he is going to take what he's already done into things that I talked about before, where he is moving in power and by his spirit, and he is going to expand it, to magnify it, to multiply it, press down, shake it together, and run it over. It and and adds to it and magnifies it. This church, if I have anything to say about it, and I have just a little bit, I think, but everyone in here does too, it's going to be for the glory of God. It's not going to be for the glory of a building or the glory of a property or the glory of anybody putting their attention on the people who are up here, like me speaking or pastor or anybody else. Everything that happens. That God does will be for the glory of God, and that's where we will be. Amen. It's all about the glory of God. But here's an if. There's an if to this, guys. And this is when everybody's like, oh no, everything was going so well till right now. If we're willing to be obedient, if we are willing to be true to. if we're willing to be daring enough to believe that God can and will and wants to do things that are exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we can think or imagine. It's Ephesians 3.20, 21. Let me tell you why I believe that. Why I believe we should believe it, and that is this. Put this up. Next slide, please. God has an anointing on this church. I'm going to say that one more time and I want you to respond again. God has an anointing on this house. That has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with Pastor Bill. That has nothing to do with anything. That is God placing through the power of the Holy Spirit an anointing on this house. And we have it. Matthew 16, 13 through 16, this is what it says. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And I'm going to tell you in a minute what Simon Peter said. I'm tell you about Simon Peter for just a second. Simon Peter is, how about a reckless, <laughs> reckless. Simon Peter was one of my biblical heroes. I have a lot of them, but he's one. But, man, he was a zealous guy. He, he, he did things that I, I mean, he, he got to a place where what I call, where he gets out over his skis a little bit too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> he suffered from what I call the SBT syndrome. Speak before think. Sometimes he suffered from the ABT syndrome, act before think. But that was Peter. He was unique. All of us are unique, right? He he was who he was. He was shaped and he was molded and, 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 and Jesus always had his eye on him. And Simon Peter replied and said this. He said, you son of the Living God now that may seem like yeah okay well that makes sense but that was powerful at that moment that was a revelation to Peter it was huge in his life see everyone has their own idea about who Jesus is everyone you know whether they're a believer or not a believer whether they're they could be Mormon they could be Buddhist they could be Muslim if they know who the name of Jesus from any place at all, They have an opinion of him, and believers in Christianity do. And it's not all the same, by the way, in Christianity, I'm talking about. Certainly not in other religions or in atheists or other people that may believe, but everybody has an idea of who Jesus is. But here's what is required of the church, and more specifically, I believe what's required for First Assembly. We have to declare boldly and daringly not who we think he is, But who he really is. That's our job. That's what our responsibility is. We are required to do that. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. That's who Jesus is. Let me tell you what he's not. I'm going to tell you what he's not. He's not a great philosopher. And maybe he did do some things that could be considered. Well, he had some philosophical. Okay, fine. He's not just a great teacher. How many people ever heard people say that? Oh, he was a great teacher. Well, he was a great teacher. But he's more than that. That's not you. The people that say that are trying to say that they're recognizing him for something, but they're trying to reduce him. He was a great teacher. Oh, he was a good humanitarian. He did a lot of positive things. He's not Gandhi. I'm sorry. Or other people who've done wonderful things. Okay, or nice thing. I'm not trying to put any pro or Just say he's he's he maybe he is all those things, but but that's not who he is. You know who he is? He's so much more than that. He is the Messiah, he's the Son of the Living God, he's the risen Savior, He's the Prince of Peace, He's the King of Kings, He's the Lord of Lords, He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the resurrection and the life. Yeah, that's who he is. That's who he is. He's a redeemer. He's a rescuer. That's who Jesus is. And it's who he is, and it must be, must be that. Question then again. Who do you say Jesus is? Because you are the church. This building is not the church. You're the church. What do you say? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do then, as a result of that, who do we say? And then who do we collectively say that He is? See, First Assembly is called, I believe, to daringly declare that Jesus Christ is the head of this your life radically and forever if you let him. That's our message. He will change your life. He's not just a great teacher or some person that did it. He will change your life radically and forever if you let him. If you let him. Who do you say Jesus is? When Peter said you are the Christ, he was also saying you are the Messiah. He was referring to Jesus as the anointed anointed king, really. When Peter said, you are the son of the living God, he was establishing his authority and his position as ruler. And Peter declared that. That's what he was saying. As Paul said it like this, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has exalt, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God. Say that with me. To the glory of God. So with everything we do needs to be that. But he, God the Father, has bestowed that upon Jesus. There is no other. That's who Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, anointed one, he is high and lifted up. It's important to know right now, I'm going to throw this in here, that there is a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. When that day comes, it's too late to choose. You hear me? i real quiet then. On that day, it's too late to choose. We have been given free will. That's a whole other sermon. I could talk about it and tell you why, how God it is that people say, well, you know, why do you think that? We have free will. God has set it up that way. And that's fine because that's how he set it up. That means it's good. But let me tell you, there's a day that we don't have those choices anymore. And that day is that day. If you're going to be in a place where every knee will bow, the reason it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess is because there's a bunch of people that haven't done it yet. in here or any person I've ever met or any person I've ever seen and that is the will of God he says it's not that any man would perish but it's a reality there's going to be a day but look let me tell you something God will not override your free will each of one of each of you have it in here there's a lot of things we may or may not have but there's one thing that we do have and that is free will We can choose what we're going to do. And here's the next thing I want to show you up here. Your choice and free will supersedes God's plan for you. Hello? Well, no, that can't be right. God's plan. No, you have a choice. Free will supersedes his plan. Now, he has a plan. Pastor Point preached about that very well last week. And he has a plan. He wants that plan to be implemented. But you have a choice. And your free will supersedes that. I'm not saying it supersedes God's power. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't supersedes God's sovereignty or his ability. That's us failing if we're going to thwart the perfect plan of God. God has a plan for you, that it requires you submitting Look at this, submitting to his lordship. There's a slide for that. (laughs) There it is. God has a plan, but it, say, requires. Requires you submitting to his. That's right. You want the plan of God to work in your life? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to be in the plan of God. Then submit to his lordship. Be under that authority. He has a plan for you, but it can only be fulfilled if you say, yes, Lord. He is king, and he is Lord. And he expects, because he is king, and he is Lord, he expects servanthood from all of us. He expects it, and he deserves it. And nothing less than that is acceptable. Yes, Lord. Many of his place have said yes, Lord, to that. They put him in his rightful place. They've submitted to his lordship. However, let me tell you something else. You can never say no, Lord. How many of you have? I have. Many of you will, Maybe. But you can never say no, Lord, and I'm going to tell you why. The moment we say no, Lord, he ceases to become Lord. Not, not that he is, his power and who he is is diminished. No, that's not it. He ceases to become Lord of your life. When you say no, or maybe I'll do that later or not right now, you have reduced him to just another person you disagree with. You've reduced him. Not reduced him. You've reduced him as to who he is to you. You've reduced his plan. Less than what he wants for you. Jesus is not just our Savior. He is our. Remember, people say, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people, and I'm not being critical. I'm just, I'm telling you what's on my heart here. There's a lot of people who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but have not accepted him as their Lord. We've got to accept him as our Lord if we want all that he has for us, individually, in our families, and in this church. Preach it, Billy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just got. I would say, is is there a better church to preach to than this? I mean, Really? I mean, I, this is, you guys are awesome. That's what i tell you. I love you. I really do. A daring church on the move is built on this, Acts 4.12. Boom. Here it comes. <laughs> there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's all about him. He's it. Building a daring church, you're going to build it on Jesus. A church on the moon is built on Jesus because there's no one else that God has given no other name. <laughs> I love that verse. I love the Word of God to you. <laughs> there's powerful stuff in here, man. Let me tell you something about Pentecost. We're a Pentecostal church. We talked, the pastor talked about that a little bit ago church, not because I think we're better than anybody else. I'm just glad we are. Pentecost Sunday, we're going to celebrate that in a few weeks. Let me tell you something about Pentecost that I think sometimes uh, can be confused. Pentecost is not only about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. For one second, I'm not minimizing it. It is essential. It is important. It is necessary to live a full life of victory on this earth. But that's not all Pentecost is. It's an important part. People think a lot of times, well, Pentecostal church, they speak in tongues. That's the first thing you hear. Pentecostal church, they speak in tongues. And again, nothing wrong. That's great. It's biblical. It's scriptural. It's it's correct. But let me tell you, Pentecost is not just about that. Pentecost is about power. Pentecost is about power. Let me tell you this. It says it right here in Acts 1-8. That's the verse that we all refer to. But you will receive. You will receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me, Jesus, everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and through the ends of the earth. That's his way of describing it. You start here and you go that way. And you tell everybody about me. That's Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit put upon us to be bold witnesses in our homes, with our family, in our community, in our world. That's a daring church that is built on the principle of Pentecost, the power of it. And yes, part of that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, unquestionably. Pentecost is about power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that power is to be used to tell people about Jesus. Don't waste it. It's not about us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be that, well, I want to have all that and the Spirit's helping me. Yes, He'll do all that, but the power of come upon you, is to go and tell everyone else. It's not me Jesus said this. Building a daring church, you need that. You need confidence in the revelation of the Spirit. Matthew 16, 17 says this, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, this was a light switch moment for Peter. This was a moment right then when Jesus recognized that Peter wasn't out over his skis anymore. He recognized that he didn't have SBT syndrome anymore. Jesus recognized that he had had a divine revelation. And he praised him for it, for hearing from God the Father. And see, what he saw was that clearly and, 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 and confidently that Jesus was the Messiah... And he was the son of the living God. He had seen all the miracles and all the ministry and everything. But that's man, it was revealed to him, and Jesus knew it, and that it came from the Father. It's different. He had the divine revelation, he was, he was confident in it. I think we need to be that. And Jesus then said, On this rock, and that means the revelation that Peter received, the truth of that revelation, is where the church would be built. On that truth. Well, what is the truth? Jesus everything we're talking about here the rock the revelation is that he's the Messiah and he is the Son of the Living God that's what the church is built on that's the foundation see a daring church is built on that rock and on that truth the truth is Jesus it's who he is who do you say that I am he says? I say he's truth he's truth unequivocal, never wrong, always right truth if we follow it, How many people have heard this verse, John eight thirty two? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ever heard that? I think a lot of people have heard that. I think a lot of people who are Christians and have ever even walked into church have heard that verse. It gets used in all kinds of things. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many people know the verse before it? Oh, well, everybody's looking really. Like, <laughs> That's okay. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Then it says, and. Now, I'm not too... Much on grammar and English, and I wouldn't consider myself a scholar on that. But I know this: if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, <laughs> and the truth will set you free. If you remain faithful to my teachings, if you want to live in victory. If we want to be in freedom as a church, we will know the truth, we will put the truth into practice, and when we put the practice of the truth into effect, it will start to move mountains. And when mountains start to get moved, breakthroughs occur. And when breakthrough occurs, that's when revival breaks out. Yes, it needs to be covered in prayer. Yes, there's a lot of other things we need to do. Absolutely. But let me tell you something. Okay, the Daring Church needs to be built on the offensive. We need to be, and this was mentioned in intercessory prayer the other day, we need to be a possessing the land church. I'm going to say that one again and see if I can get you encouraged about that. We need to be a possessing the land church. Matthew 16, 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell are a defensive structure. Some people have misunderstood this over the years. I think pastors preached about this before. What Jesus is saying that the gates that hell has constructed cannot stand against the army of God on the offensive. Those gates will not prevail. They're not strong enough to stand against the army of God. But you can't be in the army of God standing back here waiting for something to happen. You've got to be the army of God attacking and on the offensive. And when you do that, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. That's what that is. God is calling us to be a daring church, to be a church on the attack, I believe. Tearing down strongholds wherever they exist. Tearing down strongholds. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in our schools. Tearing down strongholds in our homes and in our family. Tearing down strongholds in, the, in our neighborhoods and in our community. And not settling for anything less than what God wants for us in its fullness. Tearing them down. See, I heard a, 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 a person say this and he, he said it like this. And maybe more than one of said, I don't know. We don't need to just pray that we're safe. our cocoon of safety. I'm not saying you don't pray for protection for your family and all that. Yes, that's fine. We don't need to pray for, oh, just keep me safe, Lord, in my little cocoon of protection here. Let me just stay here and be safe, okay? No, here's what we need to do. We need to pray, and this is what I'm going to pray. I mean, literally, I'm going to say for the next seven days I'm doing this. I'm going to speak these words. I don't want to just be safe. I want you to make me dangerous to the adversary that I face my prayer keep me safe keep him safe because he's got a problem if I'm coming at him with the power of the Holy Spirit resting on me that's a problem for him make me dangerous ooh that word that word makes me nervous too bad (laughs) make me dangerous against the adversary of Satan that's him man call him the enemy, I call him the enemy all the time. So I just think sometimes that's too sanitized. He's the devil. Make me dangerous against the devil. I want to knock him out. I can do it too. Not because of me, because of him. Armor of God. Make me dangerous. Next, the daring church is built on the understanding or, excuse me, a daring church is built understanding its spiritual authority. We have authority, folks. Not just walking around here. I will give you Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and what? in Clay County that we need to begin to speak to. Now remember, I'm saying this, it's not a magic potion. It's not something that's always going to happen exactly the way we want it or instantaneously. Sometimes it may. But I believe we need to speak against things with our spiritual authority to things that are happening in our area and take authority over it. In the name of Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon me, I cancel you opioid The name of jesus that's taking spiritual authority vehicle. But as soon as the police catch up with you, it's over. <laughs> You're going to jail. You know why? Because you have access to it, but you don't have the authority. You have the authority to use it. You don't have the authority. See, we have the keys to that spiritual authority right here in Fleming Island. We have the key, keys to that spiritual authority right here in Clay County in Jacksonville, wherever it is, we have the keys. See that? Say that. We have the keys. He gave them to us. It's not something that required him. He gave them to us. There was a Roman centurion. Remember this story? The man that Jesus said had greater faith than basically anyone. He came up to him and he says, Hey, I have a servant that's a really good servant. Of I, I, he's sick. I need him healed. Jesus said, Do you want me to come over to your house? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy of that. I, I, I don't need you to do that. But if you just speak, Speak the word. That was the faith that this man had. See, sometimes, check this out now. <laughs> You've been waiting for Jesus and he's already here. You've been waiting for him to do something and to move and he's already here. He's already here in this place. What we need to do is start speaking to him. What we need to do is open our heads. Who can catch? Nelson. Stand over here so I don't hit Brenda. <laughs> I'm giving you the keys. He's giving us the keys. Open your hands out and take the keys. And let's take spiritual authority over all of these things. Speak the word and say, I believe, Jesus, who you say you are. I believe you are the risen Lord. I believe you're the resurrected king. I believe you're the way, the truth, the life. I believe that you're the resurrection and the life. And I believe that you are here to give me life more abundantly. If you believe that, stand to your feet right now. If you believe that, stand to your feet that he is here to give us the keys and to let us live in abundance. Hallelujah! Glory to God! You know why I'm excited today? Because this is a daring church. And Rob, if you'd come, please. I want to just ask everybody, I know we're a little over time, but I want you to do this. If you want to be Do you want to take him and put him as the absolute, unquestionable, undeniable Lord of your life? Do you want to just even, even if he is, you say, believe it, I really believe it. I'm living the way I've made him Lord of my life. But I want to increase that. As they play and as they sing, I want you to just come out to this altar right now. Just step out from where you are and come around. We're going to take just a minute. Don't be shy. Be like Jody. We all need this. If I was out there, I'd be right here now. Just come. We're going to pray. if anybody needs prayer today for any specific thing, I want you to just reach out to your neighbor or to your friend or to someone or ask someone here that we can get a, one of our prayer team to come and lay hands on you and pray for a specific need. We never want to leave a service at First Assembly without prayer.